0: So today we are going to be breaking our series and we're going to be talking about fasting because as the deacons were discussing spiritual disciplines, we decided that March was going to be a time of fasting and specifically we are discussing technological fasting, fasting from technology but there can be all sorts of different types of fastings. And we wanted to talk about what fasting is, what it does, how it works. Um, and if you think I'm going to be able to get through all of those in a sermon, you are deceiving yourselves. So we're going to look at Colossians 2, verses 16 through 3, 4, if you'd please rise out of honor of God's word. Colossians 2, verses 16 through 3, 4. I actually am hoping to touch on all those. Colossians two sixteen through 3, 4. That's found on page 1,252 in your Black Pew Bible or 1,437 in the Adventure Bible. <laughs> I actually paid attention to where I was going. Uh, I was sitting there in Galatians. That's wasn't the right passage. Um, I read in Jesus' name. Therefore... through its joints and ligaments, grows with a growth that is from God. If with Christ you died to the elemental elemental spirits of the world, why, as if you were still alive in the world, do you submit to regulations? Do not handle, do not taste, do not touch, referring to things that all perish as they are used. According to human precepts and teachings, these have indeed an appearance of wisdom in promoting self-made religion and asceticism and severity to the body but they are of no value in stopping the indulgence of the flesh. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Let us pray. Father, as we come now to study your word, to seek to apply it, to understand, Lord, fasting, why have we fasted all throughout the history of the church? Lord, help us to see that we might grow. Lord, help us to live these things out, that we might become more like Christ. Father, I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. So our sermon today is called Fasting and Attention, and Hopefully you're able to pay attention. Um, you're, you're fasting, yeah. Amazing how slow I am when I talk about fasting. Um, man, there's just too many bad jokes, and I'm a pastor, and so I have a hard time with holding myself. How many of you have ever fasted for spiritual reasons? Some of you, have. I'm guessing, have fasted for medical reasons or for health reasons or for other reasons, but for... Spiritual reasons, and I've I've actually been kind of amazed at how many um, times I've interacted with fasting in the, the books that I've read, and, and yet how few of us actually practice fasting, and really even in the books that I've read, how how many fewer of us do we really understand what fasting is? I was reading one book, and the whole book was about fasting, and the thrust of the book it was only about I don't know 100, 120 pages the thrust of the book ended up being, it's kind of mysterious how it works. And I'm like, why did I read this? <laughs> I was disappointed, to say the least. Um, yeah. So fasting, Colossians actually teaches us. God teaches us how this stuff works. Colossians teaches us what fasting is doing, what is happening. Fasting is not sanctifying. So do you, sanctification, what is sanctification? Sanctification is the removing of the sinful aspects that are inside of us and replacing them with holy aspects. Now, that's not something that we can do in and of ourselves. Um, Emery Buller was telling me about a sermon when he was a little boy. He said the only sermon he ever remembered growing up, and the pastor got up front and he was going to talk about humility, and he said, I challenge each and every one of you this week, try to become more humble. And he said, if you do, by the end of the week, you will be more proud. <laughs> and it, it's just, it's great. Like, that, that's the only part of the sermon that I actually remembered. But, like, that's, that's fantastic. I actually take pride in my humility, by the way, uh, just so you know. Another one of those jokes. Joe, you got to stop it. We can't sanctify ourselves. If I can make myself more humble, I would become proud. I can't get rid of my sin. All I do is end up replacing it with another. And so if I clean up my lifestyle, what am I, what's going to happen to me? I'm going to become arrogant. Congratulations, I just replaced it with another sin. We can't cleanse ourselves. We can't do it. God hasn't made us to be able to do that. And so if I was able to sanctify myself through fasting, I'd be able to cleanse myself. What does Paul say here? These have indeed an appearance of wisdom, in promoting self-made religion and asceticism and severity to the body, but they are of no value in stopping the indulgence of the flesh. And so all of these fasts, these things, so okay, take a step back, Joe. What is religion? Any of you guys know what religion is? Like this concept of religion. Isn't it rites and rituals and thoughts and feelings? that we do and desires that we, that we emphasize in order to appease a God. So that's religion. Religion as a heart is what we do, our actions, what we think, what we feel, and what we desire, we manipulate those in order to properly appease our God. Now the problem with a self-made religion is that it doesn't necessarily look like God at all. It doesn't necessarily appease God at all and it doesn't necessarily make us look like God. It makes us look like our God Which, if we made a self made religion, it would look like, oh, like me. (laughs) And I make a pretty bad God. I don't even know what's going to happen tomorrow. I don't even know what's going on at my house right now. It probably is not good Um, with sick kids and all. Our self made religions can't sanctify us. And so, if I'm trying to sanctify myself, if I'm trying to remove the sinful parts of myself by doing something, by fasting, by giving alms, giving alms is giving money to the poor, giving money to people who are in need. Um, through going to church, through dressing in the right clothes, because God really cares about those things. All I'm going to do is I'm going to replace one sin with another sin. They do not have the power to stop the indulgence of the flesh. And so how many of you have ever felt guilty about something? Any of you? How many of you have ever tried to satisfy that guilty feeling by beating yourself up emotionally? That's the same thing. I don't want to be forgiven. I want to expiate my sin. I want to get rid of my, sorry, that's a big word. Um, I want to get rid of my sin. To expiate means to remove on my own. I want to remove my sin on my own. I want to remove my guilt on my own. I want to do that on my own and so I'm going to beat myself up emotionally. Well, all I'm doing is I'm denying forgiveness and I'm trying to earn sanctification. It doesn't work. We can't do it. That's what Colossians is teaching us here. No matter what we do, no matter what we feel, that's the beating yourself up emotionally. I'm going to feel really, really guilty about this because I feel really, really guilty about this. I'll never do it again. Does that work? Has that worked for any of you? Ever? (laughs) No. Why do we keep doing it? It's because we're sinful. That's why we're sinners. These things don't sanctify. They can't sanctify. God hasn't given them the power to sanctify. Only he has the power to sanctify. Christ sanctifies. Period. So Colossians 2.19. And not holding fast to the head from whom the whole body nourished and knit together through its joints and ligaments grows with the growth that is from God. God. Man, that's a really big passage. Not holding fast to the head. How do we become sanctified? Hold fast to the head. Well, hold fast to Jesus. The more that I hold fast to Jesus, the more that Jesus sanctifies me. Because who's one that's doing it? Where does sanctification come from? Does it work its way from the bottom to the top? Or does it work its way from the top to the bottom? Works its way from the top to the bottom. And so it's Christ who sanctifies me. And so when I have, when Christ reveals sin in my life, what do I do with it? I bring it to him. I don't just deal with it on my own. I don't have that power. I can't fix it. I can fix the situation, sure. I had an irritating experience this week. And, you know, we had the snowstorm thing that happened. (laughs) And St. James can call the snow emergency. And the snow emergency is that you can't park on the streets. Well, they had plowed until the streets are plowed. Well, they plowed our street. And I thought it was clean enough. I had parked, well, actually, Kirsten had parked the pickup out there. I'm not throwing Kirsten in the bus. I'll get to that. Kirsten parked the pickup out on the street. You know, I cleaned the driveway. We just left it out there because it was all clean. Snow emergency. hadn't been called off. Next morning, I come out there with a $125 ticket on my pickup. Oh. Okay, Lord. So what do I do? I fight it no we we pay it we fix it but you know it's really interesting i'll get into that later with the third point so when when we sin do we fix because i, I broke the law yeah the snow emergency I hadn't been called off i thought it was at one level and it was at another i looked back later it was my fault i broke the law i got a t- I got a fine so what do we do i ask for forgiveness therefore i don't have to pay the fine right do you think that do you think the judge would be like, oh, you talk to God? Good for you. You don't have to pay us any money. No. No. Because our sins both have vertical effects and horizontal effects. And so we are responsible to deal with the horizontal effects. When I sin and it hurts someone else, do I have to deal with that? Yeah. When I sin, do I have to deal with the vertical effect? Yeah. And so Christ sanctifies, that doesn't mean we don't have to deal with the vertical or the horizontal things. Because that's actually part of the sanctification process. As Christ calls us to deal with the horizontal, and we struggle with that, how many of you ever had to really struggle to apologize to somebody? Any of you? Like, I really don't want to admit that I did this. I've been there at least once. That's Christ sanctifying us. How many of you had a struggle to forgive somebody? I've been there at least once, too. You know what? And as Christ calls us to forgive, and it's really hard, you know what he's calling me to do? To come back to him for strength. And so it's a way by which I come back to him. As I walk in obedience to Christ, it's not I'm being sanctified by obeying, I'm being sanctified as I obey and have to come back to him. Because I obey and have to come back to him. Because in order to properly obey, I have to come back to him. Because it's all about Christ. Because Christ is the one that sanctifies. Holding fast to the head. And as we're holding fast to the head, he actually builds a body around us, which is interesting too. I don't want to get into that because that would be a rabbit trail and uh, I try to shoot rabbits instead of run after them. Um, nourished and knit together through its joints and ligaments. We need each other. It's through each other also that God does this. How many of you have ever been annoyed with another person? Any of you? Some of you aren't raising your hands. I'm guessing you're not being very honest with me. Um, Levi's waving, Yeah. As we deal with that, do you know that those are opportunities for us to go back to the head? Who is Christ? Okay, Lord, how do I love this person that's getting on my nerves? Oh, that's part of my joint. I actually have to deal with this. I can't just cut them off. I can't just cut myself off. I actually have to deal with this stuff because that's what the body is. So why does Christ put annoying people in the same body that we are? Because well one, we're annoying too. Too, it's so that we can be forced back to him, to drive us back to him, to bring us back to him because he's the one that sanctifies. This person's on my nerves, God. This person's really hurting me. This person hurt my feelings. This person's doing things I don't like. What's the purpose? you want to learn how to love? I was listening to a, or rather, I was reading a book upon the desert fathers and there was one desert monk. The, the father was writing the story about a desert monk who was out in the desert and he said, you know, it is really easy for me to love people when I'm in the desert alone. (laughs) It was when I went to the city and had to love individuals that I really struggled. So why does God give us a community? So we learn to actually be Christians. It's easy to be Christians around nobody. It's easy to be Christians around people who always pat you on the head every time and only do nice things. But it's through struggle that we learn to actually be Christians because in the cross of Christ I glory. Think about that. It's through my dying of self and loving of others that I actually become more like Christ because that's what Christ is calling me to and I can't do that on my own and so when Christ calls me to that what do I do? Come back to Jesus. Holding fast to the head. So what do we do? We attend. It's the purpose of fasting. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on the earth. How many of you have ever been really hungry? Any of you? Yeah. How easy is it during that time to focus your mind on what it should be on? That's tough, isn't it? And that's what fasting is. Fasting is an opportunity It's when we put into our life intentionally an irritation, because that's all it is. Being hungry isn't going to kill you normally. If you have a medical condition, talk to a doctor before you fast, blah, 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 blah. But it's intentionally putting an irritation into our life to remind us to attend. Because our body's telling us attend to food, and I'm using that as a trigger to attend to Christ. Using it as a trigger to attend to God, to look to Him, to trust in Him, to hope in Him. When I was um, a couple of years ago, we had a a very stressful time at Hosanna when Edgar Sanchez was accused of a a crime. And at the beginning of that, I was I was was called by a couple of people, um, and they were giving me accusation. They were accusing him as well. And so I was praying about it, and God brought a passage to mind when Paul talks to Timothy, and Paul says to the elders of the church that we should never prejudge. And prejudge stuck in my mind. We cannot prejudge. And so I went through a time of, it was an 18 month period of fasting, of judging. I couldn't by the grace of god i was not allowed to make a decision i was not allowed to support him in my heart nor was i allowed to accuse him in my heart i had to sti- sit in that tension that constant questioning even though i had people on one side telling me you know accusing him to me wanting me to get on to their side and people on the other side supporting him to me wanting me to join on his side and this this was I really see that it was a time of, it was an 18-month period of fasting because have you ever made a decision and then finally felt relief because you made a decision? I had 18 months of not, of willfully not walking in that. And as I struggled through that, that was a period of attending for me because I had to constantly be coming back to God because I knew as pastor over this congregation that I was not allowed to prejudge. Because that's what Paul told Timothy. And Timothy was a pastor of the congregation. If I'm going to be walking as a Christian, I need to be walking according to what Scripture says. So I am not allowed to prejudge. Neither can I condemn my friend, nor can I condone my friend. I can only support my friend in the midst of this. Not knowing, not being able to prejudge, not being able to have that satisfaction of finally just deciding my opinion. And that was fascinating. Because as I spent that 18 months withholding, suspending judgment, God taught me a lot about my own emotions and God taught me a lot about suspending judgment. Because my emotional state, regardless of my emotional state, because believe it or not, I was tempted to go both directions. There were times when I wanted to go one way and there were times when I wanted to go the other. But suspending that judgment taught me that my emotions are not necessarily reliable determiners of truth. Because as I suspended that judgment and attended to Christ, realized that he was the one that worked all these things out. He was the one that brought truth out. Not me. I don't have that power. And so it taught me that, it also taught me, it taught me that, and it also taught me that my emotions are usually deeper than what I understood. So then I get back to that uh, parking ticket, which still annoys me, by the way. Um, sending out that check didn't help but I got that parking ticket what was my first emotional response anger precisely but why was I angry and so I had to suspend judgment I had to ask myself that question and I brought it before God so I asked myself the questions but then usually I realize that I don't have the answers so I bring them to God okay Lord why am I angry and so God let me stew on it for a little while why am I angry I kept cleaning up the, the road where the snowplow had come by. Um, and it was, so I, I felt anger. My first response was to feel anger for, towards Kirsten. Why did she park the pickup on the street? I was like, well, I had already had the pickup parked on the street, so I can't blame her for that. And I had seen that she'd parked the pickup on the street. and So who also has keys for the pickup and had the ability to move it and can't actually blame his wife for that because he was being lazy? This guy. So I had to suspend my judgment. Okay, I can't blame Kirsten. So can I be mad at myself? Well, it was a legitimate mistake. So what good is being mad at myself going to do? I could use anger here, but it's not going to fix anything. Okay, so I can't do that. All right, Lord, why am I still angry? Why is this going on inside of me? It hit me. It was actually shame. Shame because I failed. I was too lazy to get off my rear end and look at the email that I had sitting in my email inbox telling me about the snow emergency. Instead of being disciplined enough to go out there and make sure I didn't do it. I just left it. I failed. And so now I actually had something I could bring to God. And so as as I suspended judgment even with myself, as I fasted from that, because that 18 months taught me that I can do this at any point. My emotions don't have to rule me. I can suspend judgment at any point on anything that's going on. Take a step back and ask the question, okay, what's going on, Lord? What's happening here? How should I react to this? I failed. Who did you fail? Well, you wasted my money. All right, Lord, forgive me for wasting your money. And then, you know, I'm I'm not gonna go all throughout. You guys don't need more. So, what does fasting do? It teaches us to attend. What do spiritual disciplines do? They teach us to attend. They teach us to attend to God. Why do we read our Bible? Why do we do devotions? It's an opportunity to attend to God. Why do we pray? It's an opportunity to attend to God to look to God, to hold fast to the head. That's what these things are. They draw us back to God. And now having that, had that 18 months of suspended judgment of emotional fasting, it's taught me that I can attend to God a lot easier. And so when it comes to physical fasting, fast, I'm going to fast from food. All right. What's the goal? The goal is to bring me to attend to God. I'm going to fast from exercise. Well, that's probably unwise. But what would be the goal? It'd be to attend to God. You know, when I want to do that, I tend, I'm going to fast from social media. (laughs) Because you don't have any desire to go on that, so that's not going to do me any good. But if you have that desire to go on social media and you're like, okay, I'm going to fast from social media. Every time that that desire comes, that's a plug to attend to God. Come back to Christ. Look to Him. Hold fast to Him. That's the point of all of this. Every spiritual discipline has this one thing as as its foundation. Attend to God. Set your minds on things above. Janet's cancer. Attend to God. That's how God used that in your life. If you guys would like a more full Christmas card about that, she's still got copies of it. It's excellent, by the way. I have a copy too, but um, it's an opportunity to, to attend to God. Mark's cancer that he talked about last week. Those of you who missed it, it's on YouTube. Um, he allowed me to put it up there. What is that now for him? It's an opportunity to, opportunity to attend to God. to look to him. Is this cancer? Does, does cancer have the power to sanctify? No. But if it makes us hold fast to the head, now the head sanctifies us. Does this make sense? This is why we do this. This is, why we, this is why we glory in the cross. Does the cross sanctify us? No, but the cross is too great of a burden for us to bear on our own and so it drives us to Christ. So in the cross of Christ I glory. How many of you like dying to self? I hate it. I like it when I get to win. I like being right. I know that might shock some of you with the amount that I'm wrong, but I I still like being right. But in the cross of Christ, I glory. Why? Because it drives me back to Christ. When I'm right, I can rely on me. When I'm strong, I can rely on me. When I'm healthy, I can rely on me. When I'm full, I can rely on me. And yet, I'm not reliable. When I'm happy and joyful, I'll just leave joyful out of that. When I'm happy, it's easy for me to rely on me. When I'm sorrowful, when I'm hurt, in the cross of Christ I glory. So praise God, this is an opportunity for me to come back to Him. When I feel shame, in the cross of Christ I glory. Hold fast to the head. Any questions? Rod. Oh. Okay, so (laughs) so we don't, as you can tell, I do not practice asceticism. So asceticism is the, if we would, do you guys know what hedonism is or Epicureanism? Eat and drink and be merry for tomorrow we die. That's, That's a Greek philosophy that goes to one side. We're just going to indulge as much as we can. The other side is asceticism. And I am going to become holy through um, severity, through hurting my body and through fasting. There was a, a man named Simeon the Stylite. Uh, he, would actually, he actually stood on a post for many years. And standing on this post, he, he drank very little. He ate very, very little. And the whole goal of that was to uh, suppress the desires of his body. And so that's asceticism. He didn't wash uh, because they saw washing as being a, um, instead of being as a social norm and a social nicety, we do appreciate it when people wash, they saw it as a social indulgence. And so they didn't wash. They didn't, they didn't eat. They didn't drink and they, in order to sanctify themselves. So that's asceticism. That's what a lot of the monks have practiced. Luther was an ascetic. He was such an ascetic that he actually damaged his bowels and he dealt with that to the end of his days. Um, some people say that might be one of the reasons that he died at the age he died. I, I can't say I wasn't there. Um, but yeah, that's asceticism. And so oftentimes, I was reading a, a a story about a Russian Orthodox monk who he he practiced asceticism through living in a hut, but he didn't have any food in that hut, and so he ate dirt. Um, Because he thought being warm was an indulgence, he actually kept his hut cold. He made sure that he only wore thin clothing in the winter in Russia in order to suppress the desires of his body and sanctify his soul. And so what is Colossians teaching us here? It don't work. And so it's sad. People have dedicated their lives to this stuff, but it it doesn't work. Poverty doesn't make you holy unless it drives you to Christ because it's Christ who makes you holy. Holy. Because then they hold fast to their religion instead of holding fast to the head, who is Christ. And so, good question. And yeah. So that's asceticism. Any other questions? You will be tempted towards these things in various times in your life, both to the good and the bad. Well, if I only had more time, then I'd spend more time with God. What is that? That's an indulgence doesn't work that way. Well, I'm going to punish myself, probably emotionally, or I'm going to withhold this thing from myself because I, I am a sinner and I deserve punishment. Well, no, that's not going to do it either. Fasting doesn't make you holy. Eating doesn't make you holy. It's Christ. It's Christ. Do these things have benefits? Yes. Janet. it. he was exonerated. Yes. Thank you, Janet. I, I should have brought that in. Because and that was a that was a that was a glorious time. It was well, yeah, it was it was a really how many of you felt relief at that point? For those of you who were here, it was like praise God. This was spurious. You know, getting to listen to the testimonies, it was you know, at being at the trial and listening to the testimony was like this is groundless. It's baseless. Praise God. Praise God. That was a great relief, yeah. And so we can praise God that Edgar was exonerated at that point. And so we, yeah. And so thank you for bringing that up. That needed, definitely needed to be brought into it as well. So so March, as deacons, we're going to encourage you to fast. What exactly should you fast? I can't say. We do know. That technology has far too big of a hold on our lives nowadays as Americans. Not for everybody, but how many of you spend more time talking to your Facebook friends than to your real-life friends? I know I don't because I don't have any friends on Facebook. <laughs> All of mine are, and I don't like digital friends. But, you know, that's that's the question. Have we allowed our digital relationships to actually surpass our real relationships? So we want to encourage you as deacons to think through those things. How do we build what is real? And how do we even use this temptation to draw us back to Christ? So we would like to encourage that. We can't make anyone do anything. And you all know that we can't make you do anything. (laughs) But nevertheless, we want to encourage you. Hold fast to the head, who is Christ. Because Facebook can neither sanctify nor keep you from being sanctified. But let it draw you to Christ. If you'd like, if you have any more questions, feel free to ask. Talk to Lindy, talk to Jason about fasting too. Doug. yeah, that's new. <laughs> so, all right. Let's close with a prayer. Father, I thank you. I thank you that we can look to you. I thank you that you Sanctify us. Lord, I thank you for this call to come back, to come back, to come back for this cross, these crosses that we bear. We thank you that we can glory in them, that we can hold fast to you, that we can trust in you, that we can look to you and that you do not forsake us. Bless us now and guide us as we seek to hold fast to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Our final song today is number 510 in your red hymnal. I stand amazed. Number 510 in your red hymnal. If you'd please rise as we close. Five. Oh, that's a four. Oh, all right. 540 in your red hymnal. I didn't see that.